welcome, Gridiron Gang. My name is Pedro. Drew is with me. Episode five. We have made it to five episodes. That's right, five, which is larger than four, but less than six. Uh, but we're we're happy to be here. Uh, right now, we're playing the game called "Is it COVID or is it allergies?" Uh, right now, I can look at my truck. It is a nice light tinge of green. So I'm going to go with allergies because I'm not running a fever. Uh, West Tennessee life, you gotta love it. Episode five, here we are. We're going to be talking about the AFC East and West in this edition of our pre-draft breakdown. First, get to the news. Breaking news. There still isn't any. There's still not that much news, but it's okay. Commissioner Roger Goodell sends a memo to all 32 NFL teams saying that they will be holding the draft still at the same dates, but it will be a fully virtual draft. No team can use their team facilities. And of course, some people are comparing this to our um, fantasy drafts at home. Uh, What do you think about this, Drew? I think it's a new spin on things. Uh, They're also talking about adding five minutes. So it'll be a 15 minute period between each picks, uh, especially because they don't have the in-person view, like, you know, selection squared where one guy's on the phone back at home base and the other guy's walking around saying, we'll give you this for your pick. Instead, uh, it's going to be a lot different than, than what we're used to there. They came out today that NBC sports, uh, said that they're going to be doing a mock draft between all of the all of the teams, all 32 teams, so that they can test their equipment and stuff like that. There's also there's been this really cool video. Have uh, you ever seen it? Is Jerry Jones is sitting on his couch, literally talking to prospects. Like he he's sitting there with Zoom. Uh, I believe it was Jalen Hurts. He's on the phone with. Like he's 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 sitting on his couch, looking at this wall that has a projector. And it's him talking to Jalen Hurts in like sweatpants and a Dallas Cowboys t-shirt. I love it. It's great. I think I think that this once things kind of clear up, we'll go back to the old way of the, doing things. But I think this is also going to bring a spin on what happens in the future. I do think that you know people want to see the players woke up and give Goodell a hug while they get their jersey, but. This is going to be something new. It's going to be something fresh. Uh, I'm excited still to see either way. It's still sports. It's still something new. I'm not like tore up about it like a lot of people are. Yeah, well, see, see, that's the thing I don't understand. There's a lot of negativity going on about it. And I just feel like we're all so bored. You know, we all this as sports fans, we need this. We are thirsty for something. And and the NFL is trying to uh Give us their their draft still, and it it's not hurting anyone. No one's gonna get hurt because they're doing this virtual draft. You know, people. There's phones. There's internet. There's all these things that make it possible. So why not? I I love it. I'm happy that at least we're gonna have. Um, well, first of all, some content for this podcast, <laughs> but also just some sports related new things going on. So I, I'm happy and I'm very glad that the NFL is, you know, doing their best to give us something because I think we all need 
something. Absolutely. Right now. I, I'm like, I know that we're tired of being locked up. Uh, you can hear my dogs rustling around the house. You can hear uh, your son babbling in the background. It's just, it's just, yeah. <laughs> it's the, it's the life that we're in right now. And I know that by far that we want to have our normal lives back where we can go out to eat and not just sit in the stare at the same four walls at our house, or we can go to church. Nobody's been to church in months. Exactly. Yeah. And I, listen, I want to stay home and do nothing because that's my choice. Not, <laughs> not because, because I, have I have to. to. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> uh, but anyways, let's uh, let's go ahead and get started with the AFC East. Why don't we? The AFC East. Um, let's see. We've got the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, the New England Patriots, Tom Brady list. And of course, oh, there's another. Oh, yeah. The New York Jets. And um, kind of forgettable. let's go ahead and. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get started with the odds on favorite to win the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills. Is that is that right? That's right. I mean, that makes sense because they're like, you know, the only playoff team left like with their starting quarterback besides uh, the Patriots. I, I don't I don't know what to think of the Patriots. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But the Buffalo Bills are the favorite to win the AFC East. Of course, now they have a number one uh, quarter. Sorry. Wide receiver and Stephon Diggs now uh, with Cole Beasley and John Brown. They 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 are definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with, especially with that uh, elite defense. You know they 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 added to that. They made it better. They have a lot of first round draft picks invested into that defense. So I have big expectations for the Bills. Yep, I do too. They traded away their 2020 first, fifth, and sixth, and a 2021 fourth for Stephon Diggs. So I mean they really broke the piggy bank for this, but they do have their number one wide receiver now. This is an elite field stretcher. I really do believe so. And this is one of the biggest and better arms in the league in Josh Allen. Now, again, I've, I've said this many times, my only concern is the accuracy with Josh Allen. But as I've been looking at him and looking at um, some more um, alternative statistics, it's you know, he's he's at least getting better. Right? It's not like he's getting worse. He did improve from his first year. And he's a dual threat quarterback that can beat you on the ground at any play. And speaking on this improvement from his rookie year, I think this is very interesting. because, And I wanted to bring it up because I'm the one that's always saying about his inconsistency and his inaccuracy. But he is getting better. So I want to bring this up myself. Uh, he completed 64.7 throws between 10 and 20 yards last season, which is 16 percentage points better than his rookie year. And so you can only expect those numbers to keep going up. And with a elite field stretcher and Stefan Diggs now, John Brown and Cole Beasley in the slot, I mean, this offense is not quite scary yet, but it's getting there. Yeah, the other thing too, that Josh Allen also makes stuff happen with his legs. You wouldn't expect it, but he, he can get out of trouble. And, of course, they have uh, Devin Singletary uh, in the backfield. He had a great rookie year. Um, I think that this offense is definitely going to be – I don't know. I'm not, gonna, I, I'm, not, I'm not brave enough to say top 10, but the potential is there. I, I do believe the potential is there. Uh, the, the defense, of course, will also be dominant. Of course, they signed uh, Josh Norman, which five years ago, that would have struck in the fear in everybody. But uh, now it's, he's, he's 33 years old. Uh, sorry, he's 32 years old. And he brings uh, 
kind of an edge slash veteran leadership to this young uh, defensive back core. But I, I do think that he is still a quality uh, piece here. I think for sure he is. I mean, and he's hoping to bring his 2015 Pro Bowl season form to Buffalo. And I think we could just look at what Richard Sherman did in San Francisco. You know, you have an uh, aging secondary defender that can really add to an already good defense. So it's not like he's being asked to be the the one or, or the one game changing um, defender in the team. I th- you're adding him to an already great defense, and I think that's that's just going to help him. And you know, again, adding to that already great defense, they were ranked third best overall uh, defensive team last year, and they were the fourth best passing defense team in 2019. So. You add a, a Pro Bowl caliber defender to this defense, and you for sure have the favorite team to win in the division. Especially speaking of uh, pass defense, they also need pass rush, which they bring in Mario Addison after losing Shaq Lawson to the Dolphins in free agency. Yeah, the 30, 33-year-old um, is a great player. They, were, they signed him to a three-year deal. Uh, he is familiar with the head coach there, Sean McDermott. Uh, back from his defensive coordinator days at Carolina. And so he's hoping to bring that kind of consistency that Addison has had in the last few years. Um, since 2016, he's had at least nine sacks. So uh, he's not the youngest, uh, you know, a uh, pass rusher you could bring in, but he's consistent and he's hoping to bring that consistency to this uh, already great defense. So let's go into the team needs so far. Uh, we, we, have a uh, Levi Wallace is coming back and they signed Josh Norman, but uh, we, we stated this is a good addition, but they need some youth in the future of this position. They have Tredavious White, of course. Uh, he, he's, he's phenomenal. I think that he could have easily been the best cornerback uh, in, in that division if it wasn't for Stephon Gilmore, but they still need to have a, like some youth and rejuvenation in that secondary. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we did talk about um, Mario Addison in the pass rusher uh, addition, and that's huge. His nine and a half sacks last year would have been tied for most in Buffalo. But this is another position that really could use some rejuvenation, some youth, and some depth. Um, They did add some good defensive tackles in Quinn Jefferson and Vernon Butler, but they really need to upgrade that edge defense. And running back, I know Devin Singletary had a great year with, uh, with Frank with his hamstring injury. Though Frank Gore is eternal, but Father Time has not uh, only caught up to him, but has made him uh, got him in a stranglehold. I think that he yeah, he, <laughs> he, he, he he's consistent. You know, he's going to come in there. He 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 does all kinds of, like he did, does boxing workouts. I remember when he played for the Colts. Uh, he he just was constantly working out. Like he was never allowing his body to rest. An object in motion stays in motion, and I think that that's what Frank Gore really wanted to make uh, a reality for his body. Yeah, you know, I don't. I really don't think Frank Gore is ever going to retire, but you know, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, that leaves T.J. Yeldon, uh, the other running back on the team, but he only played six games. And you would think, especially towards the end of the season, when Gore was starting to wear down, he would have played more, but he didn't, which you know tells me he's not the answer. answer. The, uh, the answer is Devin Singletary, but he needs uh, a compliment. And Gore is just not there anymore. 
and it doesn't look like they trust TJ Yeldon. So uh, maybe in the draft they uh, they take a, a running back, and there's some good ones out there for sure. Uh, so let's go into the go draft. Uh, they they traded away their first round pick. So the early, the earliest pick that they have is pick number uh, fifty four in the second round. Uh, we talked about rejuvenating the D line, and it wouldn't be a surprise if we see the uh, Buffalo address this with that early pick. Who do you think they? Yeah, who, do sure. you th- who do you have in mind for this pick? Well, a lot of the uh, mock drafts have uh, them taking, like we said, a defensive end. Uh, out of Notre Dame, Julian Okwara, if I'm pronouncing that. Uh, he's 6'4", 248. He's got a little bit of speed. He's got some size. Last year, there's not a lot to see uh, on the stat-wise. Stat Obviously, you know, he he suffered a, a horrible injury where he broke his fibula in his uh, left leg. So because of that injury, though, he, he's going to fall. And with him falling, uh, falls probably right at right on the, in their lap. But what I really would like to talk about is their third round. Uh, in their third round, I think that's where they can probably address the running back um, situation. Like we said, uh, Frank Gore, I mean, it seems like he's eternal, but we know he's not. He's only human. And uh, TJ Yeldon doesn't seem like they trust him. Zach Moss out of Utah could be a good player to take in the third round. Uh, he's one of those players in the middle of the draft uh, that could be viewed as a gym or a steal when you reflect. Uh, years in the future he's not from a high profile school although utah did have a great season his junior year was derailed by an injury but boy did he have a good year last season listen to this over 1400 yards and 235 attempts adding another 388 yards through the air with 28 receptions he's a powerful running back with great change in direction and pairing him with Singletary could be the one-two punch that Buffalo is looking for, especially because I feel like we tend to stick the uh, the injury-prone sticker on players a little too early. Yeah. But Singletary did have some injuries. Uh, Zach Moss did have some injuries as well. But somebody so skilled, uh, if he falls enough and they take him, that one-two punch, neither of them kind of takes that load. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they kind of take it as a running back by committee. That could be exactly what Buffalo is looking for. Oh, yeah, and I agree. Moving on, we're going to go to the New England Patriots. Uh, They've had a ridiculous offseason. I think that Tom Brady has kind of overshadowed everything. But you look at it, they've lost a lot of this this team this season. They lost Kyle Van Noy. They lost Jamie Collins, Danny Shelton, Philip Dorsett, and Stephen Gostowski on top of Tom Brady. Now, this, this, this Patriots team is going to look completely different. They're going to have a new face. They have new defense. I have no idea what to expect out of this team. But we looked at what they did this offseason. They signed a defensive tackle, Bo Allen, to two years and $7 million deal. They signed a free agent, uh, uh, Adrian Phillips. He's a free safety, uh, two years, $6 million. They extended Devin McCourty, two years, for $23 million, and signed Brian Hoyer back uh, for a one-year deal. Now, I look at this roster, and the thing I, need, I see is they have Julian Edelman, who is definitely elite in his mind. Like He's, he's, got a, he's, a, really sm- <laughs> he's a really smart receiver. That's why he's on the field. But physically, he's definitely lost a step. They have Nikhil Harry, uh, who last year was kind of had a slow start because he had an injury. Uh, but now I, I think they need that, that definite like one-two punch. They need, they need a wide receiver. 
they they, pro- they they look like they're going to go with the Jared Stidham, who was their draft pick last year, uh, I think in the third or fourth round at Auburn, to be their quarterback of the future. And uh, they definitely need an edge rusher. They don't have anything on edge besides, you know, uh, Chase Winovich that they got last year from uh, Michigan. Now, well, they own the 23rd pick in the draft. I think that the rumor here is that Jared Stidham really is going to be their quarterback. Of course, Bill Belichick is not going to tip his hand. No way, no how. He is the evil empire that we know that just that doesn't smile and doesn't do anything. Uh, he's not going to tip his hand at all here. But the rumor, the, the rumor of the NFL is that Jarrett Stidham is going to be the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots. Um, so we look at the rest of the roster. Their secondary is pretty solid, being led by the reigning defensive player of the year, Stephon Gilmore. The linebacking core is really strong. The defensive line is lacking. I think someone who would fit here in this scheme would be a player named Yitir Grossmados out of uh, Penn State. He's an edge rusher. Experts say that he is a lot of Trey Flowers tra- traits into him. I think that that's something that they definitely need. With him and Chase Winovich uh, sitting the edge and, the, and rushing the passer, they won't have to worry about something uh, like that for a long time. Defensive line is, is d- definitely one of their needs, but let me ask you this question. There's a lot of people that, or I've I've seen some reports, maybe not a lot of them, but would it surprise you if the Patriots moved up and took a quarterback? Kind of it would, but then again, like I said, I don't know what's going to happen. Bill Belichick can do whatever he wants. Uh, He plays a different game. I don't know. It would surprise me, but then again, it kind of wouldn't. But then again, (laughs) it would surprise me because... I think that he's kind of stubborn enough to say, you know what? We got this kid out of Auburn. We're going to start him, and he's going to take us to the wild card probably. Yeah, I think that's what's so difficult with the Patriots this year because you don't know what to expect. I can see them being a middle-of-the-pack team, or I could see them well in the playoffs uh, contending. I I can't, however, see them, and maybe I'm wrong, but I can't just see them being a horrible team. No. I, but then again, we don't know the Patriots without Tom Brady. So yeah, no. they could be terrible. I, we're finally, we're finally going to get our answer. Who Was Tom Brady great because of Bill Belichick? Yes. Or was Bill Belichick great because of Tom Brady? I, and, and that's one of the most intriguing headlines, I guess, going into this, uh, this season. All right, moving on. To, uh, talk about the New York Jets. Uh, do we have to? Yes, they're part of this 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 division, <laughs> so we got to cover them. Uh, we have the New York Jets. They lost Robbie Anderson in free agency. They signed George Fant, an abysmal player, to three million, uh, thirty million, three years. Uh, a lot of people have really kind of crapped on this pick. They they really think that he's not worth that. I think that if you look at what Russell Wilson had to go through at Seattle, that he it kind of backs it up. He comes. He's a tackle from. Uh, Seattle. Uh, yeah, they signed Connor McGovern to a three-year, $27 million deal. Uh, guard Greg Van Rotten, Roten, uh, three-year, $10.5 million. Uh, I think that they definitely have like um, uh, trying to save their quarterback who saw a ghost, quote-unquote, last year. They want to make sure that he stays off of his back. <laughs> um, but 
they don't have anybody for him to throw to. Uh, wide receiver Brashad Perryman uh, was signed for one year, six point five million de- deal. Uh, I don't think that that's going to be sustainable. They don't have who, who else are they going to throw to? I mean, yeah, Le'Veon Bell is really good about catching passes outside of the backfield, but I think their two biggest needs are wide receiver and offensive line. They addressed their their cornerback this year with Pierre Desir. They signed him to a one year deal, three point five seven five million dollar deal. But uh, the the thing that I think stands out completely in my mind for the New York Jets are wide receiver and offensive line. They own the 11th pick in the first round. I believe that they could kick off the run on wide receiver in this draft with a Jerry Judy out of Alabama or a CD lamb out of Oklahoma. Uh, both of these guys are considered top, top talent when it comes to receiver this year, this historic receiver draft. But uh, it would not surprise me also if they tried to go after a quality offensive tackle because George Fant is not going to get it done uh, by taking Andrew Thomas out of Georgia and Tristan Wirfs or, or Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. I definitely think that you, if you're going to have a number three overall pick at quarterback, you're going to have to protect him and have somebody to throw it to. They're, 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 it's a double-edged sword here. But uh, I think that if the offensive tackle, if there's a quality one there, They'll take the tackle before the receiver, but if not, they'll start the run at receiver. Yeah, I think they de- or at least I think they should definitely take the offensive the offensive lineman. There's no point in having all these weapons if you know the Terminator is going to be on his back the whole time. And they don't have it, any. Other, you know, like he, the only thing they have is Le'Veon Bell. Like they got Jamison Crowder and Brashad uh, Brashad Perryman. Like there was, hey, I, I'm not sure if Quincy and Noon was still there, but that's not like that's helping. No, no, no. He, he, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't do nothing. You know, Robbie Anderson barely did anything. Uh, I, I personally, you know, I had record horrible year in fantasy football. One of my first round picks in one of the leagues I'm in, I took Le'Veon Bell. He was awful. Oh. It was just, it was just so bad. I, I don't understand. Yeah, you know, he's the only option they have, and I think that if they, as soon as they start loading up on receivers, you know, whether it be in the first round with the top receiver or the second round with another really good receiver. Like I said, there's a historic receiver draft this year. I think that they could easily make that um, Le'Veon Bell relevant again because they're going to have multiple weapons to have to worry about. Yeah, for sure. You can't really just keep giving the ball to Le'Veon Bell and – expect him to do anything behind that abysmal offensive line. So that's why I think their biggest need, even more than wide receiver, although that is a huge need also, is their offensive line. But we'll see what happens with these just bad New York Jets. I I feel bad for all those Exactly, and they have all this money in the world, and they're not going to go after these big names. You know, they have Jack Conklin right there. I mean, yeah, they could probably maybe still sign uh, Jadavion Clowney, who's still not signed. but. Like, come on! You you have all this money, spend it. Let's, let's see what you got. But they, they Joe Doug, Joe Joe Douglas just still has not really gone out and been the aggressor that they needed. No, no. But we'll, we'll see what happens. Moving right along, we're gonna go ahead and start with the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins, uh, Drew, they've had a pretty good off season. Uh, they signed cornerback Byron Jones, and he is now the highest paid cornerback in the NFL. And brings their total number of elite man-to-man cornerbacks to two, with Xavier Howard still there. And the Dolphins ran man coverage 61% of the time last year. So this is a big signing, is it not? 
I, I believe so. Uh, I think that um, the demand made uh, Byron Jones the the highest paid um, cornerback because uh, he is good, but I think there's some other players that are well more deserving. But I really do think that Xavier Howard and Byron Jones will possibly dominate this uh, this tandem and this defense. I think that they're definitely going to have a an edge on their their pass defense. Um, we'll just see how they how everything else goes. I'm not really concerned about uh, safety play. Uh, the, they lost Minka Fitzpatrick. Maybe they pick him up. They pick up one of those uh, safeties in at number 26. I bet anything they can. They, if it's not a running back, uh, they can pick up a Grant Delpit or uh, uh, that yeah, other well, guy I mean, from had, Alabama. Again, they've they've had a good off season. They also signed uh, um Noy and Shaq Lawson uh to their uh defensive side and that that just bolsters uh the defense with a series of great defensive signings of course they need a lot of help this defense needs a lot of help but it's a great great way to move forward with Calvin Noy's Shaq Lawson and uh Byron Jones yeah and Calvin Noy you know he's he's very familiar with Brian Flores uh with him being a linebacker and Brian Flores being the linebacker's coach he can instantly come in here and start leading this defense. Uh, I, I really, I really like that signing. Some people say he was overpaid, but I think he—that's exactly what you need. You know, I think they're also paying for that leadership, definitely, rather than like the uh, performance. Uh, he's still got a lot in the tank. Uh, he had a great uh, career so far at, at New England. I'm really excited to see what he can do in Miami, where he's kind of like he doesn't have to worry about living in Dante Hightower's shadow. And on the other side of that line, Eric Flowers, the former ninth overall pick, he's got elite size. There's there's no uh, no other way around it. He's 6'6", 335. And so that elite size is accompanied with very good play, according to Pro Football Focus. And I think this stat is ridiculous. I'm, I want to know what you have to say about this, Drew. He played 588 snaps last year. 588. And out of those 588 snaps, only four resulted on a quarterback hit. I think Eric Flowers is, like you said, an elite size. He was drafted ninth overall out of Miami to the Giants uh, to place tackle. He was a laughing stock. He was terrible. He was slow getting out of his pass sets. He was slow getting to a block on run run plays. Uh, but he, you know, got a fresh start in Washington and he switched the guard and he turned out to be like a really good offensive lineman because at first they thought like this guy's a laughing stock. He's a joke of a player. And now he's, he's getting some, some money and he, he definitely, uh, is showing why he could potentially be a first round pick and why he was a first round pick, uh, with the Redskins last year, which is something that the, the Dolphins definitely need to bolster. Because they they traded away a lot of their uh, their line with uh, uh, Larry Tunsil. That that was crazy. That was just them showing them everybody in the world that they're on rebuild mode at the moment. Right. Well, uh, speaking of this this rebuild that they're on, uh, they have a lot of needs. Uh, of course, probably the most important one or the most important one is a quarterback. And much is being said about who they will take, um, but they also need a. An, an offensive tackle, you know, somebody um, to to re, um, to protect said quarterback. 
Uh, they could use another edge rusher. And of course, the running back of the future, they did sign Jordan Howard. But I think we can all agree he's not their running back for the next or, you know, their running back of the future. He's a short term fix. Uh, we'll see if they take a running back at the draft. I think Jordan Howard can definitely be a quarter uh, running back for uh, to split carries with somebody, kind of like what they're doing in um, Denver and and what they're going to do in other places like uh, I heard in Pittsburgh and, and and also you know they have Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram splitting the load in in Baltimore. You know I think Jordan Howard can easily be the guy that splits carries with that rookie running back if they take one in the first or second round. Yeah, I actually like that. Um, there's a lot of teams that are doing that. Um, you know, well said. And and we'll see. I mean, you could add someone like, um, for example, Miles Sanders, you know, where Jordan Howard was just uh, in Philadelphia, a change of pace kind of running back. I think uh, Jordan is more like a first and second down. Run the ball. Run the ball straight down, As- straight down the middle kind of kind of player. He has a draw kind of guy, but then you have that flex player that, that they had um, come in there and, and catch catch passes. Jordan Howard is never like that. He was even like that at Chicago. You had you had the guy, he had him running first and second down, and on third Tariq down Cohen. you had Tariq Cohen, you know, coming out of the backfield catching passes. I, def- I definitely think that if Miami finds their guy of the future in the draft, which I probably probably will, we just don't know where um, because they have a plethora of picks right now. But I think they can find like a uh, a Swift out of Georgia coming in there catching the ball or or something like that. He he can definitely be effective splitting the carries. Now I don't believe that Jordan Howard is the uh, workhorse of this run game in Miami, but I do think that he is a nice piece. Yeah, for sure. I don't I don't think he has the skill set to be a true workhorse in the NFL anymore. I feel like nowadays. If you want to be a three down back in the NFL, you have to be able to catch the ball. And Jordan Howard has proved he cannot catch the ball. So we'll see. We'll see who they draft. Uh, let's go ahead and go into the uh, to said draft and talk about uh, the options that Miami has. A plethora of drafts, you just said, uh, draft picks, like you said. They have three in the first round, number five, number 18, and number 26. And of course, you know, we have to start at the beginning with the running, with a quarterback, excuse me. A lot of what the Dolphins are going to do at the draft hinges on what they decide to do with their first pick or with their quarterback situation. Do they stay at five and take the best quarterback that's still at the board? Do they move up to get Tua? You know, regardless, um, it's all about their quarterback for them this year at the draft, is it not? Absolutely. I don't, I don't think they were kind of upfront and honest from the beginning that they were going to hashtag tank for Tua. But I, I don't, I, now recently, uh, the draft experts, quote unquote, have said that uh, they are, the Dolphins are shying away from Tua. They are, they're wanting to go towards Justin Herbert. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how that, how to take that. I don't know if that's like a smoke screen or if that's something that they're really thinking that Justin Herbert can come in here and uh, take over this franchise. Uh, but I think two is probably the best. Uh, I think he's probably the best quarterback in this draft, honestly, um, just because he has the ability to, he has that it factor. You know, he didn't win yeah. the Heisman. No, that was Joe Burrow, but Joe, he has that ability to just win. And uh, 
Uh, Of course, I'm not a draft expert. I don't sit here and devote my life to watching film to these these prospects. But I think that he's definitely somebody that can turn this thing around. Uh, You know. Well, let me jump in here. Um, I I think I I think you hit the the nail on the head here because Tua can be somebody that, that comes in and turns this franchise around. But can he? Question mark. Because the injury. Okay, I understand. He's been medically cleared and, you know, that has some weight to it. We saw that video that he posted on social media where he does a little drop back and he looks great. He looks mobile. He looks fluid. But the thing is that there's a lot of NFL teams out there who are still skeptical because with everything going on with COVID-19, they haven't been able to actually see him, like physically see him. Their doctors haven't been able to check him. They haven't been able to... As of as of yet, see the CAT scans and the MRIs, and I have understood that that they will get those in a huge Dropbox, and they'll be able to to analyze them. Their doctors will, but I think that's where the the um, the skepticism with Tua is the fact that they haven't been able to to do a, a complete normal, you would say, draft process with him. I think I think actually they were able to poke and prod at him in the. Uh the combine because they came out saying that he's not 100%, but he's on track. Uh, he's somebody that I would kind of shy away, shy away as well because he's had two ankle surgeries and then he has that horrendous, horrendous, uh, hip, hip dislocation. Like I can't even fathom that. that. That, that sounds horrible. You know, your, your hip bone comes out your butt and that's just, that just, ugh. I, I can't think of the pain that he went through. Uh, and that would definitely make me shy away because, you know, they always say that as long as his hip was out of place, it was cutting off blood supply to his hip, which becomes what me and you know, as we see all the time with young people having hip replacements, a vascular necrosis, right? It's where they read the, the tissue eventually starts to die because it did not have that blood supply that it needed. And, uh, how much of that is going to happen 10 years into his career? You know, you think about it, he's a 20-year-old kid, 21-year-old kid, comes in, maybe has a 10-year 10 10-year 10 career if he's lucky. Uh, maybe, you know, I'd like for him to see 15 years. I, I personally like to. I don't have anything against the kid. But he, uh, how long is that hip going to last? You know, maybe he can have a five to seven quality years before he drops off. I don't know. I'd love, like I said, I'd love to see him play 12 to 15 years in this league. But uh, I don't know how long his body will have it because he's got that injury-prone like stamp on him now. It, it, you know, three years as a starter, three big like season slash career-ending or threatening injuries. You know, he had the the high ankle sprain in the national championship. They weren't sure if he's going to be able to play, and then uh, another, another one at the beginning, another high ankle sprain at the beginning of the season. And then uh, he ends it with the uh, dislocated hip. That's just that's that's a lot of like red flags. I mean, there's no way around it. That's a red flag. Yeah. And you know, you have a guy, uh, Justin Herbert comes in. He's huge. He's got he's got legs. He's able to make plays with his feet. He's got a big cannon. They say I haven't really seen that. <laughs> uh, of course, like I said, I have not watched a ton of film. I did watch him. In the Rose Bowl, and um, he he won that game with 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 his legs. I mean, there's no way to put it other than he, he had like two or three rushing touchdowns, I think. And uh, anyway, 
you can't teach six six. You can't teach a big arm. The other stuff can be te- taught, you know, and maybe not right away, but you still nobody's really expecting the Dolphins to go win the Super Bowl this year. I'm not saying they're going to be terrible, but the expectations are not there, you know. Right. Well, I, I agree. I agree with everything you're saying, and and that's why who they're going to take in this. Uh, draft to be their future quarterback is intriguing because if there are all these questions about Tua and if they aren't you know 100% sure about him then maybe they should just stay at five and take Herbert because at least you know you have someone who's healthy um of course you you can't predict injuries you know Justin Herbert might go out there and get injured his first game which of course I'm not you know hopefully that does not happen, but you can't predict injuries. But if there are all these questions, then just stay at five, keep your other picks, and build a team around them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you have three first-round picks and two first-round picks next year. I mean, you have you have the, the, the ability to rebuild this team in two or three years. Oh, yeah. And and with Mike Flores, I think I think this team is definitely on on the trending up i think you know much much was said about you mentioned it earlier uh tank for tua but then flores goes in there and says you know what no if you guys believe in me and i believe in you let's go out there and win some football games and they did they went up to uh uh foxborough and beat new england the last game of of the uh was the last game of the season i think so yeah yeah. last game of the season so i mean i really like what i saw in this team, you saw that fight, that grit. And like you That's said, Brian Flores, well, Brian Flores is going to make you want to run through a brick wall. Uh, I remember hearing the stories about Brian Flores before, uh, before the season started about how uh, it takes no talent. Like he says, you know, you fumble the ball. It takes no talent to fumble the ball. And uh, he, he says, uh, uh, it was great because he'd make them go run a lap. You know, that's old school football. That's high school football. Right. You fumble the ball, take a lap. You know, you, you drop the ball, take a lap. You miss that route. Exactly. He has the, the that that that's just the kind of grit that you have. You know, it, it, people that hear stories about Belichick. You know, he 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 strikes fear in everybody. He has that that blank evil death stare, and that nobody really wants to mess with. And uh, Brian Flores, I hear, is more like a player's coach. They love him. They like I said, they want him to run through a brick wall for him. They were trying to. They were trying to uh, tank for this season, and he still was able to eke out, you know, five wins when they were built to like lose every game. Yeah, and he, that's just the kind of pl- the coach that he is. When he had, he makes something out of nothing. Yeah, and, then, and that's what he that's what he did in twenty nineteen, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's why it's so exciting, or why I am at least am so excited about the Dolphins in the next few years. Maybe twenty twenty they don't do much, uh, 2020-2021 season, but the next few years are. So if you're a Dolphin fan, something to be excited about. And speaking of Dolphin fans, our guest, Justin Drew, you want to introduce him? You know him? Yeah, this is Justin Merchant. Uh, he is a Dolphins fan. He's from Montana, uh, which makes total sense. And uh, we, we, uh, we're we glad to have you today, Justin. Uh, how are you doing? Doing good, guys. How are you? Uh, doing great. Uh, staying, staying clean, staying healthy. Hope you are too. Uh, tell us a little about yourself. Uh, how long have you been a Dolphins fan, and how did you become a Dolphins fan when you're like states away? <laughs> um, so growing up, I've been a Dolphins fan since I can remember. My dad actually grew up in the Tampa area, 
And back in the 70s, 80s, there you could root for the Creamsicle Buccaneers and their 0-14 seasons, um, which wasn't really an option. So he chose to root for the Dolphins and brainwashed me before I really had the opportunity to choose for myself. <laughs> and I'm a Dolphins fan. So, yeah, pretty much it. Well, awesome. Uh, who, okay, in your opinion right now, real quick, who is the greatest Dolphin of all time? Um, gotta be Dan Marino or Larry Zonka. Mm, I like Zonka for the mustache. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. And also, he was on the 72 Dolphins. Right. Uh, who is your favorite player right now on the roster? Favorite player on the roster, honestly? Or of all time. Of all time. Uh, man, controversial, but it's Ricky Williams. Man, you talk about, talking about earlier, you know, players running through a brick wall. Man, that dude just liked to play football. You watch him run. He just loved He also football. liked marijuana. Uh, he did. Unfortunately, he was in the wrong generation. Um, right. <laughs> Nowadays, you know, he'll be fine. Yeah, him and Josh Gordon both. Another five years, man, they would have been, you know, Hall of Famers. Unfortunately, they kind of fell in the wrong era. But no, like just to watch him, watch him run, it was so much fun. Um, definitely my all-time favorite player. Uh, current favorite player, man, it's got to be Fitzpatrick. That dude, same reason, man. You just watch him play, and the dude just loves to play football. It, it's no fun. Mouthpiece. He's out there, like he's out there chewing gum. I mean, who needs a mouthpiece, right? It's not like concussions are a big deal. Um, diving head first, dude doesn't care. And I mean, how does he even have that beard in South Florida? I figured that would be the first thing to go. No, he doesn't care. So definitely Fitzpatrick. He's amazing. I, I love the fact that he. We have a Harvard guy in the NFL, and uh, <laughs> the fact that he purposely scheduled the conception of his kids so that he can do around like uh, training camp. Right. Like that's that, there's a story about how like he gained 15 pounds over the off season because he ate so much birthday cake because all of his kids <laughs> were born between like February and <laughs> June because it, they, he purposely made it that way. That's commitment uh, to your yeah, trade right there. Commitment to your hey, trade. Isn't it? It's insane. I love it because, you know, you, he, I think he has like four or five kids. And he, he said he gained all this weight because of the birthday cake he had. All right, Justin. Well, look, let me go ahead and, uh, you know, break out this elephant in the room, okay? All right. What you got? Who are you taking if you are the sole responsible person of your first pick oh. or a trade? Or whatever it is you want to do. What are you doing? Well, I can say right off the bat, I'm not trading up to get Tua. Um, if he doesn't fall to me at five, then he's just going to have to go. Uh, I know that a, a lot of fans want Tua. Um, I'm, I just don't think that he's worth trading up for. While I think he is going to be a good quarterback, uh, like you guys were talking about earlier, I don't, I've got concerns about his longevity uh, in the league. So I'm not trading up to get him. If he falls to five, uh, in light of the other pieces that we've been able to assemble, I'd be okay with drafting him at five, but we're going to draft him with the thought process that he's going to sit on the bench this year. We're going to let Fitzpatrick go out there. He doesn't care if he takes a beating behind our terrible offensive line. He proved that last year. The dude just wants to play ball. Um, so let Tua sit on the sideline, let him heal, let him learn behind Fitzpatrick, and then maybe the following year, 2021, you know, he's able to get into the game unless Fitzpatrick unfortunately does get hurt. Um, but honestly, if it was me, um, I'm probably going to look to shop that pick at number five. 
Um, we've got major, major holes at offensive line. Um, and I just do not think it's a good idea to take and put a rookie quarterback behind that offensive line and get them killed. Cleveland's done that for years and years and years. And how well has it worked out for them? Um, so what I would look to do is shop the fifth pick um, to somebody else and trade back and get other picks for the following year. Uh, one thing, if you look at our draft, we've got five picks in the first two rounds. Well, that's great. But if we hit on three of those, now in four years, we've got three players that are going to be wanting major contracts. If you look at getting quarterback, left tackle, and safety, um, and those are three major contracts that we're going to have to pay out in one year. Uh, we're going to end up in a Dallas Cowboys situation where it's going to be really hard to keep all of those players. Whereas if we trade back, um, get a couple picks for the 2021 draft, um, kind of stagger those contracts a little bit. And this coaching uh, regime, I guess you could say, has proven that they're they're not in a win-now mode. Um, they are in it for the long haul, and they're willing to do what needs to be done to build a year-after-year um, year perennial championship contending team. Um, so that's it won't surprise me if we take two at five, but if it was me, I would probably look to trade back and focus on offensive line and safety in the first round. That is very, very interesting, but I love it. I really, I actually, I actually think that it could be the um, the best thing to do. I don't think that's what they're going to do, uh, but I just no. think it's very interesting that you know there's a good good quarterback class willing to leave the draft without your future quarterback this year. Well, and I mean, you look next year too. There are there are some quality quarterbacks coming out next year, um, with Trevor Lawrence from Clemson coming out and things like that. Um, but as a Justin fan, Fields, who was a uh, Heisman finalist, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's not like there's no quarterbacks coming out next year. That would be a completely different situation. Uh, but there are some quality options, and again, we're going to have a, you know a lion's share of picks next year as well. So if we need the capital to trade up, um, I believe we're going to have the ability to do that if we need to. Okay, so we have a lot of the popular view is you take a quarterback with number five, and then at number 18, uh, we're going to have a end of the run of the wide receivers and offensive tackles. Uh, but right now, uh, the, the pick usually at number 18 is an offensive tackle. Uh, what do you think about that? And you, ha- you have a quarterback, first round, first pick, number five. And then 18, you have an offensive tackle. Uh, would you rather have something else there, or is that something you think is a kind of a smart move? No, I think we've got to go offensive line or safety. Best player available between those two at 18. Um, if you look at the okay. rest of the team, they're all – it's a pretty serviceable roster all the way around um, based on the free agents that we've brought in. We've got no superstars, but we've just got a quality, um, solid roster, uh, I feel, right now. But safety and offensive line are major, major uh, liabilities right now. Okay, so so that's my next question. Number twenty six. Uh, do you want a running back like a DeAndre Swift or a, a safety like Xavier Howard out of Alabama? Um, so I think safety personally. Um, talking about Jordan Howard earlier, you know Jordan Howard is the prototypical give me the ball 30 times a game running back old school right Um, he can block he can carry the load uh, but he's not going to catch the ball right Uh, we've already got somebody on the roster that can catch the ball we and uh, don't get me wrong this guy he's not good between the tackles um he he's a little better than i would be i guess but patrick laird um (laughs) he's he's uh 
he's kind of a Danny Woodhead type, honestly, which makes sense coming out of, you know, the Patriot system, Brian Flores. Um, he's really fitting that role. And we kind of started to see that at the end of last year with his five carries for five yards and eight catches for 40 yards. Um, so we have got, and he showed that he can block decently as well. So we've got somebody that can go out there and catch the ball in, if need be, but we've also got quarterback and Ryan Fitzpatrick that really doesn't check it down. I mean, the dude's just out there to throw the ball down the field. Uh, and with Parker, Gusecki, and um, uh, Albert Wilson, we've got a solid complement of pass-catching options. He really doesn't need to check it down. So it, it won't surprise me if we don't target the running back much this year. For that reason, I don't really see us taking a running back in the first three rounds. I expect us to try and add some depth, um, but around the third round is when I'm looking for us to take a running back. I would love to have a star running back, but I just don't feel like that's the way they're going to go um, and utilize the draft capital. Well, um, Justin, if, if I can jump in here, um, I think the San Francisco 49ers proved it last season, even that you don't really need a star running back to win a Super Bowl or to make it to the Super Bowl. You know, they had three or four good running backs, but it was mostly the system, you know, the system and, and the, the line, obviously, but you don't, it seems like nowadays you don't need that star elite running back to have success in the NFL. No, absolutely not. Um, you know, and you look at the rest of the way they're building the roster uh, with adding Byron Jones, with adding Shaq Lawson, um, with adding Ogba. Christian Wilkins last year's draft, we're building a defensive team. So what do you usually want to go with a defensive team? A strong pound it down your throat type running game. Well, that's what Jordan Howard is. Um, now that being said, Jordan Howard is not a long-term solution. I don't believe uh, they, uh, there's a reason they gave him a two-year contract. Um, but I think for this next year, I don't, I don't see us being a, uh, a sling it down the field type team. I see us being a defense and running, which again, look at the Patriots. I know we've they've had Tom Brady for 20 years now, but generally speaking, come playoff time, they are a defense and running football team. They will throw it if they have to, but that is what they want to do. Well, cool. All right. So to, to kind of wrap things up here at the Dolphins, uh, what are your expectations for the 2020 season? Where do you think the, the Dolphins are going to end up and uh, what do you, as a fan, have expectations of? Well, with with Brady leaving AFC East, um, I don't feel like the other teams have done much to strengthen their position as a whole. AFC East is wide open, in my opinion. If I had to put odds oh, on yeah. it, I would say probably the odds on favorite are probably the Buffalo Bills. To For, win. Sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then I guess just because Belichick's still there, you'd probably go Patriots. But then after that, I mean, I put the Patriots and Dolphins right there neck and neck right now. Um, I agree. The Jets, they've got Adam Gase, so they're, they're, we can just go ahead and bury them. They're probably locked, them in for, they're locked in for a solid 4-12 this year. Um, but, uh, yeah, until they get rid of him, we don't have to worry about them. <laughs> but uh, I, as a fan, my expectation this year is probably to go somewhere slightly above 500. In light of what okay. – what they did last year with the roster that we had, um, my expectation would be to go right around nine and seven, um, maybe squeak in to the playoffs, maybe. But it it wouldn't surprise me if we did come out and be a ten or eleven win team. 
but that's not my expectation. That would exceed what what I'm expecting from them this year. Okay. All right. Well, we really appreciate you taking your time out of your day uh, to come over here and, and talk to us about the Dolphins. But uh, we appreciate it. We hope that uh, I'm cheering for the Dolphins. I, I think that I've always, uh, growing up, I loved that era of football with like Jason Taylor and Zach Thomas. They, they were my, like, my favorites to watch on the defense. But um, I hope that you guys have a great season and uh, that Tua or whoever is behind under center next year is healthy and ready to go. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. AFC West time. Time for AFC West. We've got the Broncos, the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, formerly the Oakland Raiders. That's going to take some time to get used to, at least for me. Let's start with the Denver Broncos, Drew. Uh, the Denver Broncos, obviously, they made a, I would say, a pretty big splash by signing Melvin Gordon. Melvin uh, has four consecutive seasons with at least 41 receptions, 31 touchdowns. And that is good for fifth best in the NFL in the last three years. Uh, this is a great running back. I, though, I believe that he's not just a running back, though. He's a playmaker because he can beat you many ways between the tackles. That's a security valve for, for uh, a running back, I mean, uh, for a quarterback, excuse me. And he can even line up in the slot, et cetera. He can beat you many ways. He's more than a running back. He is an offensive weapon. What do you think about Melvin Gordon to the Broncos? I love it. Um, and I think we can talk about him, yes, definitely as an offensive weapon. Uh, I uh, I cleaned house a couple of years ago when I had Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon on the same team. Uh, he, he, he just... He just makes stuff happen whenever he has his ball in his hands. I, I think it's really funny, though, still. Uh, L.A. offered him $10 million a year last year, and uh, he said no. <laughs> and it backfired in his head, in his face so badly. He's now getting uh, $8 million a year. He signed a two-year $16 million deal with the Broncos. I think that it's going to be a great offense to definitely help level them out. Uh, later on, we'll talk about what they're going to go for in the draft. But uh, they uh, – they're going to have Philip Lindsay in the back. I think they've finally given up on the whole Royce Freeman project. Yeah, I think they have. Uh, I, I was kind of annoyed by it because, like, try, stop trying to make it happen. It's not going to happen. And uh, Philip Lindsay is uh, he is a diamond in the rough for it for sure. Um, this offense is going to be explosive. Uh, of course, I'm not sure if they're going to be second in the AFC West because we already know who's going to win the division. But uh, they, they uh, they have that, that double-headed monster in the backfield. They have a promising young quarterback in Drew Locke. They have Cortland Sutton. They have Noah, uh, Noah Fant in the uh, offense, uh, the tight end. Uh, they signed some, some offensive linemen this offseason. Uh, I think that this defense is still pretty dominant. Uh, I'd still give my right arm for Von Miller to be on my favorite team. Uh, and then Brad, oh, yeah. Bradley Chubb will be back next year uh, after tearing his ACL, doing something stupid. But uh, he, um, I'm really excited about what this this Broncos team. It's it's young, it's up and coming. Uh, I I think that they could possibly, in the next couple of years, compete with the Chiefs. I know that's kind of a bold statement, kind of dumb to say, you know, when you have Patrick Mahomes in there. But I think that they could definitely, in the next few years, come in there and make a make a splash. Yeah, well, I I would agree that that's bold. Um, I'm not sure about competing with the Chiefs. 
but I think it all kind of centers around uh, uh, Locke and how he develops. But yeah, they, they released Joe Flacco. Uh, so I'm sure it was a tough their, decision. Oh, I'm sure, you know, nightmares are going to come from it. But they, like you said, they, they signed some people on their offensive line, uh, Graham Glasgow. And they signed Jarrell Casey from the Titans, and they only gave up a seventh round pick for the five time Pro Bowler. They lost. They lost Wolf. They lost Wolf in the off in the off season. I think he was a very underrated, sneaky, good defensive tackle. Uh, Jarrell Casey was a cap casualty, and I think the Titans were kind of like, you know, we liked. We just signed him to a big deal. We don't really want to leave him with nothing. Like we don't want to walk from away from this with like owing him something. So. I think they decided to trade him just so that they wouldn't have to eat that money and also they get something back, even though it's just a seventh-round pick. Uh, right. But you're right. I think uh, Graham Glasgow is going to be a great addition to his offensive line. Uh, and, and, of course, they lost Chris Harris this, this offseason to the Chargers. Um, we'll see what, uh, what they can do in the draft to replace a player like that. Yeah, they, they have a few needs. Um you know, they they do have a number one stud wide receiver in Corlin Sutton. Is he in the uh, and Deshaun? I think. I mean, I think it's pretty clear. Who would you put as their number one? I mean, I was. I, I was. My argument would be either he is a number one. Of course, he is obvious by default their number one. But you no, know, could they draft and find somebody that's even better? But I don't know. I, you know, from the beginning of the year, I think he was a second round pick two years ago, a year or two ago. Yeah. 2018, I think, yeah. 2018, I think he was a second-round pick at SMU. Uh, he was a big-bodied receiver. Uh, he's definitely had some time to develop. They had, uh, uh, was it Marius Thomas was there, along right. with, uh, what's his name? Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel was there, Sanders, uh... yes, the speedster. And so I think he kind of like, as soon as they left, as soon as they, they got rid of Mar- uh De facto one. Exactly. And, and then all of a sudden, what do they have left? And he was like, you know what? Here's my skill set, and they're like, "Okay, let's do that." So, I think that that is definitely he's a definite uh, product of a situation. But I think maybe he can even develop into something even bigger. Oh yeah, he, I mean, I'm not saying he is, you know, the second coming of, you know, Randy Moss or whoever you insert Hall of Famer here. But he's a good wide receiver, and um, I mean, he's the best they got. They got Deshaun Hamilton there, who looked great at the end of the season. But neither of them really have what they need, which is speed and, dare I say, elite speed. So we'll get to that uh, once we look at their draft options. They could also upgrade their defensive line, though. And I believe they need uh, a little more on the offensive line, maybe a center. So um, you you got anything else for, for their needs? Well, I think also cornerback is in play, uh, obviously. When you lose a, a high-class high kind of player like Chris Harris... Uh, you, you have right. to you have to fill it somehow, and maybe that they take somebody in the first round. If, if, if I think the, the Broncos are in a fantastic spot, they're smack dab in the middle of the draft. You know they can they they can still get a very quality blue chip player at this point. I mean it's not going to be some generational talent like a, a top end, but they still can get a really good player in, at this pick. Uh, Henry Ruggs is somebody that comes to mind, maybe possibly. Uh, I, I, he. I think he is the fastest receiver in this class. They say that uh, he is the uh, 
leader at Alabama. You know, yeah, they have they have potentially four first round draft picks in the Alabama receiver room. And they say that he was the dog. He was he was the top dog. He was leading that pack, and he uh, will definitely bring something like that to uh, Denver if he's if he survives that long. You know, some people. I he's he's my he's the guy. I think that the uh, Raiders should get with their first pick. Okay. But, um, that we'll get to that later. Uh, another person is like a Jerry Judy if he falls, or, or, or uh, somebody like that. Or if somebody Ceedee Lamb, Ceedee Lamb is possible. Uh, there, I think between picks number ten, I think the the first receiver could come off at pick number ten. And you know, we talked about earlier today about the uh, Jets wanting to upgrade their offensive weapons. I think that could be where it begins, but we'll, we'll see. We'll, We'll see how the, the draft comes out. I'm excited for that, by the way. I know we knew we talked about it earlier. Still excited about it. Uh, off the defensive line, I think maybe a Javon Kinlaw, maybe there. Have some pass rush down the middle. Uh, he can, he can, he's a more well-rounded defensive tackle. I think uh, Derek Brown is a, is a really good player, but I think he doesn't have that much in the uh, pass rush capacity. Javon Kinlaw could definitely add that. Plus, you have Javon Kinlaw coming up to you in the middle, and then Bradley Chubb and Von Miller coming to the outside. Forget it. You're done. Yeah. You beat me to the punch, Drew. Henry Ruggs. I mean, we I just said it earlier. Talk about speed, elite speed. Um, I know that, you know, you, you were thinking that maybe he'll be gone by then, but we also have to consider that this is a very, um, like, offensive line heavy draft and i believe a few of those offensive line will cause somebody like rugs or uh uh a cd or judy to fall so i think out of those three the the broncos should should get one and i mean if they get rugs listen to this uh listen to this offensive core drew lock at quarterback you've got melvin gordon and philip Lindsay in the back no offense you're tied in and you have Cortland Sutton, henry rugs and and deshaun hamilton at wide receiver i mean that is a pretty juicy offense is it not uh, exactly i think that that's definitely a young offense that could like i said compete with the chiefs a few years from now oh yeah uh, well you know you may you may have changed my mind you may have changed my mind uh especially because the chiefs here have the, a lot a lot of money in a few players and we're actually speaking of the chiefs let's transition into uh talking about the Kansas City Chiefs chiefs uh the super bowl reigning champions i don't think many people expected them to make a whole lot of moves in the offseason and maybe it's because they can't they have a lot of money tied up in just a few players and they haven't even broke the bank to pay patrick Mahomes because you know they're gonna have to so not a whole lot of movement from them but they did sign uh jordan tiamu i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that right. he played at ole miss yeah, from the uh, and re- most recently here in the XFL. Yeah, and so I think that's a very interesting signing. I watched a few of his games uh, with the XFL, and I think he's a promising, promising young player. Um, they also signed quarterback Antonio Hamilton, who only started two games last year for the Giants, and only defended four passes. Again, we're kind of scraping and looking for things here. They didn't really make a whole lot of moves. Well, they also they, they franchise tag Chris Jones. And there was a report that came out that some free agents that were being signed 
wanted to go play for the Chiefs for obvious reasons because they they're chasing that ring. But um, yeah, of course, they got the feeling that they weren't going to spend any money uh, because the the Chiefs were not going to spend any money because they're about to try to give Chris Jones this team friendly yet fat deal. Uh, if they can't get it done by the draft, a lot of people will speculate that they're going to be shopping him around. You either get like a couple of twos or a one for Chris Jones. I mean, he, he's he's young. He's in his prime. Um, so I think that he he's definitely a player in this, this offseason for them still because they still have to sign him, who I think, you know, everybody can agree that he's probably their best defensive player. And then uh, and then in the coming year or two, they're going to um, make this massive deal with Patrick Mahomes, uh, which is deserving. I mean, the guy – at first, I did not jump on this this boat, and he had he had some flash and pizzazz to him. But two years as a starter, his first year, your MVP; second year, your Super Bowl MVP. Like, what are the odds? I don't I don't think anything like that's ever been done. You know, no, and and he wasn't really a kind of highly touted player coming out of college. Oh no, either. no, a lot a lot of people didn't really think that he was going to make it, but. Yeah. You know, you give you give some him to somebody like Andy Reid, he can make magic happen. You know, he has the talent. You put you put his coaching behind that talent, and look where they are now. Um, so we have the Chiefs now that really don't need a whole lot on offense. You know, uh, they picked up Damian Williams' uh, contract um, option, so now he is with the team. They could still draft a running back. There's a lot of people that kind of think that could, that could be a sneaky thing to do. You know, why why uh, draft defense when you can just kill them with offense? Of course, they're they're missing right. they're missing the the cornerback. They need, really need a cornerback, and they also uh, linebacker could be a really good nice one. Uh, maybe some defensive line edge rusher. You know, they 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 signed um, Frank Clark. And I think that they would like somebody to really compliment him on the other side. Yeah, and and let's also not forget out. And uh, I think I don't know about you, I almost forgot him. So let let me go ahead and uh, backtrack here just a little bit. Uh, they did reach an agreement with their wide receiver Sammy Watkins to restructure his uh, uh, twenty twenty contract year, and that saves the Chiefs about five million in salary cap space. Um, and I think this is again that not a lot of moves for them, but these these are the kind of moves that that will help them because they don't have a lot of money to play with. Yeah, because right before they did that that restructure that contract, I think they had like literally two hundred dollars worth of cash space. They were so Ridiculous. close. They were so close to the red that they were just like it was crazy. Some I, I once they did that, now they have five million dollars, but. Uh, uh, I think that they are, are, are still well off, whether they sign anybody or who they draft. I still think that they're going to return a lot of that team that won the Super Bowl and be ready for next year. You know? Oh, they, yeah, they, they definitely want to They definitely want to run it back. If, uh, if That is if old Cheetah will uh, stay clean and out of trouble this, this offseason. That's a big if. Yeah, I, oh, you're 100% right. That um, Well, not not only just is it a big if, you know, that – but it's crucial to this team. I mean, the team without uh, without Hill on the field is it's just different. It really is. But let's go ahead and move on and talk about their kind of draft options here. They pick at number thirty-two, obviously. And like we said earlier, kind of difficult to 
to know to know which players kind of will fall and which players were not. But um, if they decide to go and take a running back, because I think Damian Williams is a it's an okay running back. He's more of like that offensive weapon, like we were talking about with with Gordon. Not to compare him with Gordon, but I don't think I don't think Williams is a very good between the tackles runner. Runner. Uh, he's an offensive weapon. He can catch the ball and all that, but. So maybe they want to upgrade that running back position. Cam Akers uh, can ca- can catch the ball coming out of the backfield, which is something that Andy Reid likes to do, and it fits well with his Kansas City offense. He had over a thousand yards in two of his three years. I like that. I like Cam Akers, but I think that if, if Jonathan Taylor is still on the board there, he is definitely a great player for that offense. You know, like you said, Damian Williams isn't a great one between the tackles runner. Well, guess what? Jonathan Taylor is. Oh, he's for a, sure. He is a uh, big trap guy. He's fast, but he's he's a very decorated running back from Wisconsin. And he, he can easily come in there and, and add an extra dimension to that offense. And uh, I, think, I think you mentioned it at some point to me. Um, before we recorded, that are they looking to possibly uh, trade away their first round pick? I yeah, uh, there, there's some speculation that uh, they will not make that pick at 32, which makes sense. You know, I don't think they have a second round pick because of the Frank Clark trade, but they could easily come in there and uh, trade away their first round pick for a second, a third, or, or whatever they 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 value. Say say like a team. Is looking for a quarterback, but don't really want to. Don't have the stuff to move up to the top ten to get one. But there's somebody there they want to get. A, they want to get a jump on for a second second round starts. They can come in there and say, "Here's our second pick and our third pick, third round pick, and uh, we'll, we'll take we'll take your first, and they can draft their quarterback of the future." But uh, I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, there might be some other stuff. Maybe um, uh, they could go. They maybe tra- even trade up. Who knows? Uh, Brett Veach is kind of a wild card here in, in, in the offseason. He is capable of doing a lot. Uh, I think that they will definitely need to upgrade that defense. Their offense is pristine, but uh, they need they need somebody to come in there and play pass offense, whether it be an outside linebacker to come in to cover the flat or maybe uh, another cornerback to bolster it. Because like you said, who they signed <laughs> is not um, somebody with a huge pedigree. Uh, Antonio Ham- Hamilton only started two games for the Giants, and that's it's not great. So, in order for you to really want to like repeat and face teams like the Baltimore Ravens and and other high powered offenses, you're going to have to have some defenses to stop it. Because if they have an answer for your offense, then you're going to have to stop them on defense. Yeah, for sure, and I'm I'm very interested to see kind of what happens with the Chiefs because I think it's I mean they're going to be one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl again probably more than likely uh, as long as 15 is under center they definitely have an advantage. So moving on, we'll, we'll move on to the uh, the Chargers. The Chargers uh, kind of had a really big off season. You know they they had their their old man Rivers he gets cut. They say that we're not going to. Pursue you in the free agency. Then they lose uh, Melvin Gordon to sign with their division rival, the Broncos. They sign Austin Eckler to a big deal, and they trade with the Panthers. 
This is this is interesting to me. They send their Pro Bowl tackle Russell Okung to the Panthers for their for the Panthers Pro Bowl guard Trey Turner. That's just he's a guard. You know, he's he's somebody that can definitely upgrade there. I think I think I think they really see. It. I could be wrong as a pa- fan's point of view. Russell Okung was getting older, and they saw Trey Turner, and they said, "Hey, we'll take your Pro Bowler for our Pro Bowler." We'll upgrade our interior line. They'll upgrade their uh, their exterior line. Uh, and then they sign a Brian Balaga to a three year, thirty million deal from the Packers. Remember, he he, he was the guy on uh, the Packers that draft that that blocked for Aaron Rodgers. It's funny to me, Jimmy Fallon when he gave up superlatives. Brian Balaga always stuck out in my mind because his his uh, his superlative was most likely to turn off a TV by throwing a beer can in it. Uh, you look at the picture of it, and it kind of looks like it. Uh, they lose, um, like I said, Melvin Gordon to the division rival, but uh, Austin Eckler had a fantastic year as Melvin Gordon was doing his holdout. The thing that really sticks out to me, too, is that they really like this Hunter Henry kid. They franchise tagged him. I hope that they can maybe get him a good deal. This this offense is still really, really good. Even without Melvin Gordon and Phillip Rivers, they're going to have Tyrod Taylor come in here. They've announced him as the starter as of right now. Now, that could change very fast because they have um, the number six overall pick. Exactly. Now, that could they could easily come in there and just, you know, have somebody drafted in the first round, first top ten, and, and then – uh, they can maybe do what the Browns tried to do a couple years ago, but the right way. Tyra Taylor, who was the quarterback for the Browns then after they drafted Baker Mayfield, uh, was named a starter, and unfortunately, he hurt him. He, I think he broke his wrist. He wasn't playing bad either. No, he wasn't. He, uh, he got hurt, and Baker Mayfield was forced to come in there and take over for him, and I think that, you know, the rest is history. But uh, I think Tyra Taylor is still a quality player. I think that he could. He's not a top ten quarterback, but he can definitely be a good manager, especially in offense. You think you got Keenan Allen at at their number one receiver. You have Mike Williams. You have Hunter Henry. You have Austin Eckler. You have all kinds of stuff that that he can easily use. It's like a Swiss Army knife. Oh, for offense. sure. All I heard, all I heard so, when you were saying all that is great weapon number one, great weapon number two, great weapon number three. I mean, this team's just full of great weapons. Absolutely. So. Another thing too about this team that I think that people won't really understand, like I don't know, I think they forgot about this player, but Derwin James is coming back. He's going to be healthy. He missed the majority of the season last year from an injury. Uh, he's going to be back fully healed. Yeah, he was in the running for defensive uh, rookie of the year a couple of years back. He's 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 a guy that's all over the field. He can play uh, nickelback. He can play. Safety, he can play outside linebacker. He's just he's a freak athlete that can come in there and just tear all tear it up. So number six, we we this pick we talked about earlier. Um the Dolphins, it's all up to the Dolphins. We don't think that any team's gonna um move up from here. Like a lot of people at the beginning of the season, the offseason thought it was gonna be like a staring contest between the uh Chargers and the Dolphins on who's gonna move up to get their franchise quarterback. I don't think that's going to happen right now. I think Tua is definitely in play, as is um, Justin Herbert from Oregon. Now, let me ask you this, Pedro. Would you trade that pick 
and sign Cam Newton instead. You know, I may do that. And here's why. Because I really think the Dolphins are going to end up taking Tua. I think it's, for some reason, I feel it's almost as sure as the Bengals taking Burrow. So then you're left with, do you want to take Justin Herbert? Or do you want to go with a quarterback who has proven that he can do that? He took the Panthers to a Super Bowl. He's five years removed let's from not his forget. year. Yeah, exactly. Let's not forget. He wasn't just great or good when he when he was playing and he was healthy, he was, he was great. He was an MVP winner, like you said. So I think it all has to do with his health. So the Dolphins do take Justin Herbert and two is staring you in the face. Like you take him. You know, I think if he's healthy, he is easily the number two quarterback, if not number one, arguably. And uh, you let him sit behind Tyra Taylor for as long as you can. Let him heal. Let him get up to speed. Let him get learn the playbook, and you know all kinds of different things that can be beneficial from letting your rookie quarterback sit, and that's something that would really be intriguing to me. Probably more intriguing than hiring, uh, signing uh, Cam Newton. I love Cam. Uh, I th- I love watching him play. He's such a electric player. You just know that something big's going to happen when he's on the field. Unfortunately, he's had he's been riddled with injuries the past few years. And uh, I think that he's too much of a risk and not enough reward at this point. So that's when you need to go after a quarterback prospect such as Justin Herbert or Tua Tagovailoa and let them sit and develop. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's kind of crazy that Cam, the MVP winning quarterback, is still out there and nobody has signed him yet. Um, Of course, we, we don't know if there has been any phone calls, but then again, there's no reports on it. So it almost seems like nobody wants him. And I think that's just a little odd. Uh, I know that there's a lot of questioning with his uh, injury history or whatever you want to call it, but I think it's something of concern for Cam as a player. He may end up just, I know he doesn't want to, but he may end up just going somewhere to be a backup or waiting and not having a job until midseason when you always almost without a doubt end up having a lot of quarterbacks being injured. Absolutely. I I don't think he's going to go up and be, he's he, it's I think it's ridiculous to think that he could be a uh backup quarterback. That's crazy to me. I I couldn't even fathom seeing him holding a clipboard a healthy Cam Newton. I think that he can go somewhere. I I was a big fan of Cam going to the Bears. I know we bring I bring him up and in, um, in conversation a lot because I just think that he still has a lot in the tank, and he can easily come in here and lose, win a lot of games, but he still doesn't have a home. Uh, I think right now we just need to know how healthy he is and how he can stay healthy. Uh, moving on though, let's move on to our last team, the AFC West. We have the Las Vegas Raiders. They had a pretty busy. Uh, offseason. They signed Corey Littleton, uh, who was the middle linebacker for the Rams. He's really good. He had a three-year, $35 million contract. Uh, they signed defensive end Carl Nassib to a three-year, $25 million contract. And then uh, they signed the flying Hawaiian, the uh, Marcus Mariota, to come in there and possibly like compete for a I was going to say, to come in and do what? 
Hey, do you think, like, there's always been rumors that the Raiders could be in the game for a new quarterback. You know, they, they have their car. I, I think he's a good quarterback. I, I think that he doesn't really have anybody to throw to, which is why I would have them go after an offensive weapon rather than a quarterback that's setting him up for a failure. But do you think that they brought in Marcus Mariota to legitimately push Derek Carr to go over that, that back to that MVP caliber season that he had a couple of years ago? Or do you think he's just he's, he's accepting his role as a backup? You know, I really, I really don't know. Um, you would think that a former number one overall pick, but wait, was he number one overall? Number two. He was number two okay. behind Jameis. You're right, number two. Excuse me. A former number two overall pick, uh, still in his young years, wouldn't really just go somewhere to be a backup. They had to have told him that that it's gonna that he's gonna be. Playing for the starting position, but but I just don't I just don't see it. The the it's not like Derek Carr is a bad uh, a quarterback, and it's not like they they had poor uh, production last year. They were the ninth best passing team in the league, uh, so, so it's not like they're you know struggling bottom feeders in the, in the in the passing game, uh, and and I don't think that Mariota is the best kind of uh, uh, traditional pocket passer in the league either. So I really think they should just stick with, with Derek, uh, try, try to bring him back to that uh, MVP caliber season and, and go from there because they have some weapons. They have some things they could do. I just don't see how a quarterback change would necessarily help that right now. They also signed inside linebacker Nick Kwiatkowski to a three-year, $21 million deal. And uh, then they signed, they, they signed the headless horseman himself, Jason Witten, to a one-year, $4 million deal. A lot of people question how much he has in the tank. I think he still has a lot to, uh, he wants to prove. Carl Nassib and uh, Nick Kwiatkowski and Corey Littleton, they're coming in there. Uh, I think that they can probably even draft another linebacker in the first round if the run uh, they're going to have a wide receiver. They, they, they're picking. They're picking number twelve and number nineteen. I, I do believe that they're going to draft a wide receiver. They're going to have to because who, who do they have in their 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 receiving core? If Tyrell Williams, who who had a pretty good season, I think that he definitely brings something. But I don't think he's a true number one receiver. The, no. I think that they they come in there at number twelve. They they could either they could either pick up whoever the Jets do not pick if they don't if they pick a wide receiver or they could kick it off they could come in here and draft a Jerry Judy or a Ceedee Lamb uh, or a Henry Ruggs that come in there I, I I do believe that Henry Ruggs would be the better fit to be coming there and be a burner and then play yeah I think that uh, Al Davis the, the original owner of the, the Raiders you know he's always about speed it didn't matter. If the guy could like read or had both of his arms, if the guy could run a four three, Dad going the Raiders are going to draft him in the first round. Yeah. And, uh, and and I think uh, I think that that's something that that would definitely help Derek Carr develop as a quarterback because other than having uh, Amari Cooper and his early in his career, he hasn't really had anybody to throw it to. And he almost had some, Antonio Brown, but almost that, that didn't quite happen. Yeah, we all know that that 
wound up to be a dumpster fire of, a, of an attempt. But yeah, to your I point, that, I mean, they have they have Hunter Hunter Renfro also, but he, it just not convincing. They really need to draft a wide receiver. I'm I'm with you for sure on the wide receiver. Do you got anything else they could sign? I mean, I, I think they're going to end up getting one of those top three, four wide receivers for sure with kind of where they're at. Um, any other positions where you would kind of prioritize maybe that 19th pick if they go wide receiver in the 12th? Pick is interesting. The 19th pick they had from the Bears trade with Khalil Mack, he uh, is definitely worth it. I do believe Khalil Mack is a, is a generational player. But here at number 19, I would go defense. Number 12, definitely, I would definitely go with a receiver. It's kind of, To me, it's kind of obvious. Again, I'm not an expert. I'm just a fan looking from the outside in. But number 19, I would go defense with either a cornerback, like a C.J. Henderson, uh, out of Florida, or maybe an off-ball outside linebacker like a Patrick Queen out of LSU. I think that he could easily be that all-round kind of like he could blitz, but he's also really good in coverage. I've heard a lot of the draft experts say that he's probably the best coverage linebacker in the in the draft, beside other than like Kenneth Murray out of, out of Oklahoma, who's more of like a downhill run stopper. So. The Raiders are definitely going to be young. Uh, Derek Carr is, is still promising. If, if we if the Colts had Derek Carr, I would not be upset. Uh, I think a lot of people would kind of like chucked it to the Wolves, and I hate that. I think that he still has a lot to to offer this team the the league. I would definitely bolster my arsenal for uh, Derek Carr and continue his development and uh, this defense. Just keep building on what you built on last year. Well, that is all we have for today. Another episode in the books. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Gridiron Gang Podcast. Uh, we are looking into starting a YouTube page sometime pretty soon. And so that'll be very fun. We'll be able to record our podcast and also upload them in video form to YouTube so you guys can watch us there. Yeah, follow us on the social media. We'd love to have you. We'd love to hear from you. You can, you know, f- slip into our D- DMs on Twitter, uh, Gridiron Football or uh, Gridiron Gang Podcast or uh, Gridiron Gang Podcast at gmail.com. We'd, we'd love to hear from you or leave a review. We'd love for you to leave a five star review uh, on, on, on wherever you listen to your podcast. The, the best thing uh, we need is where we're growing. We'd love to have more people like Justin today. Come in and uh, give us what you think about your team because you're the reason why we want to do this show so that we can have a conversation about what you like and what you don't like. Is at the end of the day, we're all football fans. Um, remember to wash your hands. Remember to cough into your elbow and not your hands. Please. And to call your mother and let her know that you love her. That is 100% That's all we have for today. Correct. Drew, NFC next week. We start the NFC. <laughs> NFC. NFC. I'm excited. Uh, I got a couple of good people lined up uh, for the NFC North and the NFC South. Uh, we're excited to talk about the Great White North and the um, the humid South that is the, the Falcons, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who is now TB12, and the uh, New Orleans Saints. We will we'll look forward to talking to you guys. Y'all be safe. Love you. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next week. NFC time.